Are you ready for the word? I believe it. Hey, turn on your Bible and go to Matthew 14. I'm <laughs> saying that for 10 years, and it still gets us. All right, Matthew 14. Turn it on. If you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. The Bible says it's the Word of God that's living and active, not what it shows up on, all right? Uh, so Matthew 14, we're going we gonna to begin nibbling in something in Matthew 14, but then we're we going to have a little something else in Mark chapter 6, because we are going to read from two locations, but about the same encounter, all right? Two locations, but the same encounter, because I have found that Mark keeps it supernaturally real, all right? This guy will say stuff that nobody else says in their Gospels, and it's just because Mark was just very like, we're going to get it right. We're going to get it real right. I'm going to keep it 100, right? That's the, he's got a tattoo of that somewhere in heaven, like 100, right? So I, I just... I felt led to really showcase this in that way, but Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000. Incredible miracle, never heard, uh, never unheard of before. And as soon as they're done picking up the leftovers, Jesus does something unusual. Now, how many know when God does something unusual, it's not, it's unusual to us, but intentional to him? How many know what I'm talking about, right? Another, you have to understand the intentionality of God. He has different problems than we do. Like, he tells Gideon, you have too many warriors, and they're still outnumbered. You, you know, God lives on a whole different level. So his intentionality is different. So you have to understand, if God is doing something, he is doing something on purpose. And if God is doing nothing, he is doing nothing on purpose. So whether he's doing something or he's doing nothing, we, the people of God, can know that it's always on purpose. Are you following me? We can't lose heart. We can't lose courage that fast. All right? So here you have this. He does something unusual, strange. Matthew 14, verse 22. It says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Everybody say the other side. The other side. I feel like in your season right now, that language sounds like, give me my mountain. Come on, church. You guys been in something deep, right? Give me my mountain. This is the same language. You're going to the other side right? Now watch this. He says, before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Now, this is interesting because he sends the multitudes, the people in the place, away. All right? Now, let me say this to you. You are going to the other side, but you have to understand, to the disciples in this story, that is a location. To you and I on this side of the cross with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that could be a season. That could be a relationship. That could be a frame, uh, a frame of thought. That could be a mindset. Are you following me? You are going to the other side. You have stayed too small. You have gotten too comfortable. You are strong, but you're not sharp. It's time to give you the type of journey that requires the type of requests like, give me my mountain, God, bring me to the other side. Are you following me? Are you hearing me? And this is interesting because when God says this, you have to understand God and his word are, are, are like a prism, like a crystal. And if you shine a light, there's a ray of light that goes spreading all across the room. You move it to the degree to the left or right, it's a different breakout of light. Are you following me? It's the same thing with his word. So we could preach a word on Sunday and it would hit this marriage differently than it would hit this marriage differently. Are you following me? It would hit this woman differently than it would minister to this woman differently because God is a big God. So when he says you're going to the other side, you have to understand what I feel prophetically is it's not just locations. I also believe it's seasons. I, 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 hear me. And, and here's what's interesting. He says you're going to the other side and you can't bring everything with you. I'm helping you out. You can't bring all your fears 
and your failures. You can't bring all your wins and your trophies. Because I've watched trophies turn to anchors real quick and people get stuck in an outpouring or a season and that's the only way God can speak to them and they get lost in a following or a crowd and they never look for God anymore in a fresh outpouring. They spend their whole life trying to go back to something instead of stay fresh in something. Are you following me? Now, when you go to the other side, it also means you can't bring everyone with you to the other side. It was amazing to me how I could find 10 people to get in trouble with, 20 people to go to the club with, but couldn't find one person to go to church. Friend, it's time to go to the other side in your relationship. If you can find 15 people to go get high and drunk with, but you can't find one person to pray you through, it's time to go to the other side. Come on, Church 1132, right? So he says, you're going to the other side. And then he sends the multitudes away. Now watch this, verse 23. It says, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a, uh, on a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. What was in the middle of the sea? Come on, church, what was it? And where was it? It was in the I need you to remember that. The boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary, right? Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. It's right here. I want to interject. Mark chapter 6. Okay, that's why I want Mark chapter 6, because I, I, Mark adds something that Matthew does not. Look at this, Mark chapter 6, verse 48. It says, Then Jesus saw them straining or struggling at rowing, for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walked on the sea, and watch this, and would have passed them by. Does anyone else not feel spiritual frustration? Like, God sees them struggling, and he's like, this, this is what he does. You're not even trying to help. Hey, I, oh, you're struggling right now? Okay, see you on the other side. <laughs> Can you imagine? Come on, you got some friends like that. They still haven't returned your text yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, I'm having a hard time. Ghosted you. Full, like, full on, right? Like, God sees them struggling, straight and rolling, and he's like, I mean, this is like un-American of Jesus. <laughs> like, this failure to render aid. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't even, stop, wouldn't even plan on stopping. Watch this. Let's jump back to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down on the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came to him and worshipped and saying, said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray for a moment. There's so much here to unpack. Let's pray for a moment. Holy Spirit. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I thank you for every, every destiny, every identity. Lord, I thank you for every gift that's represented under the sound and the anointing of your word. Lord, that you would interrupt thoughts, that you would captivate 
the soul. Lord, it wouldn't offend me if you started a minister ministerial moment and encounter while I'm preaching, that they would hear a voice within the voice, that they would be moved, that they would be captured, that they would be claimed in this moment, and they would never cease to be convinced that you are moving with them. God, I pray, I call them in. I call them out of distraction, or I call them out of failure. I call them out of pain. I call them out of the past, and I set their foot on a solid rock. I call them into their destiny. I call them into their future. I call them into strength. I speak to this atmosphere, and I say that you are full of faith, and you are full of hope, and you are full of peace. You are full. I'm telling you, you are full of life. I come against every limit, every restriction, every bear, every demonic harassment that has tried to resist you or come against you. I say is broken right now in Jesus' name. May we move on into something fresh and strong in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen, amen, amen. I feel like praying this morning. Um, I, I, I've titled this message, Born for the Storm. I feel like there are certain things that we could mislabel if we don't understand what we were built for. There are certain seasons we could misread. There are moments we could miss our cue, if you will, if we don't realize we were chiseled for this. I was developed for this. I was born for storms. Many times, trouble gets the wrong name. We think we're being tested with trouble. You're not being tested with trouble. You're being trusted with trouble. And the type of trouble that comes on your life did not surprise God because he could have placed you in any era of history, yet he chose for you to be here during this time because God's a good God. He's a wise master builder, and he knew what weapons he needed on the earth, and you are a part of that armory. There is something about knowing that I am born, built, and chiseled for this. I am born for the storm. I remember one time uh, we were hosting a conference out at uh, Christ for the Nations, and my, uh, uh, it was, uh, I was in charge of hosting like on the stage and then on the studio. And it was my job to run back and forth and MC and do all those things. And, and it was a long week. It was a powerful week, though. I mean, we're seeing salvation, signs, wonders, healings, miracles, breakthrough. It was awesome. But it was a busy week. And my oldest daughter, she was probably about six at this time. She's 13 now, <coughs> and she's more mature than two of me, but she, uh, she came to me, she said, Dad, I miss you, and I said, baby, I miss you too, I said, you know what, why don't you come with me tonight, stand with me in the studio, and be on TV uh, with me, now I had asked the, the founder of this Christian uh, uh, station on TV, I said, hey, how many people is this going to reach, like, what's the impact? And he said, this is going to go to 700 million homes, it's going to go to a billion people on planet Earth. So I, I remember that number, and I, Jasmine said, I said, Jasmine, you got to come with me. And I, I said, but you got to bring your A game, all right? And she said, Dad, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. It says 700 million homes, girl, okay? There's a billion people who's going to see your baby teeth on TV tonight, all right? I need you to come strong, right? And she said, Dad, I'm ready. I'm so ready I was ready yesterday. That's how ready I am, right? So we, we raise our kids to be confident. <laughs> Some confidence, right? So, so I remember we're in the car. I said, babe, you ready? I said, girl, you ready? She said, dad, I'm ready. I'm ready. Stop checking me. I'm ready, right? So we get, I get in the green room. I said, baby girl, come here. I said, it's 700 million homes. It's a billion people on planet Earth. Right now, I need you bringing your strong, strong. I need you coming strong. Don't you bring that weak trash up in here. People need an encounter with God. And she said, daddy, I'm ready. 
So we get in the studio, right? I'm on my ex, she's on her ex. They got all the lights, you can't move. It's like prison, you can't go anywhere, okay? And they got all the cameras. We got a director, a producer, we got the cameras, and my daughter's right there. They said, 90 seconds. I said, now Jasmine, this is 700 million homes, okay? This is a billion people, billion with a B, girl, and I need you to pray strong tonight. She said, Dad, I'm ready. I said, okay. They said, 60 seconds. I said, come here, look at me. 700 million homes, a billion people, and you're in a strata. <laughs> we don't pray. No weak prayers. You better come with the thunder tonight. And she said, Daddy, I'm ready. There are 30 seconds. I said, 700 million homes, a billion. I'm not nervous. I'm making sure you're not nervous. I'm not nervous about it. I'm just making sure you're not nervous about it. And, I, and she said, Dad, I'm ready. So they start counting out. 10, 9, about 7. 7. Jasmine goes, Dad, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I can't do this. I can't do this. Then, like, in seconds, she turns into tears like a puddle. Oh, my God, Dad. Please, I can't do that. Ah, Dad. It's like a demon. Went from daughter to demon like that, right? I got, Dad, I want to do it. Now, I'm the type of dad that if you commit to something, you're going to do it. Because I'm not just raising saved ones, I'm also not going to raise soft ones either, right? So if you follow through, my Bible says if you want to stay in the presence of God, you will keep your word even to your own hurt. So if you told me you're ready, you are ready, I'm so ready, I was here yesterday, you're going to have to be ready, girl, right? So see that, oh God, oh my God, oh my God, ah, and she is screaming. I'm watching the producer, the director's in tears. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. Like the cameramen are like, this is the most awkward thing in the world. I'm like, no, you're going to do it now. 700 million homes, a billion people going to see you cry. They're going to see them tears, right? So all of a sudden the cameras come on. And I'm like, hey, everybody, you picked a good time to watch tonight. I'm telling you, we've had a great time. We've had some incredible breakthrough. But I have someone special in, in the studio with me. It's my daughter, and I'm so proud of her. And then I said this, and I said, man, God's been moving really strong. Right, Jasmine? And then Jasmine goes, and, I mean, flips the switch. She goes, oh, my gosh, Dad, it's been so good, the whole conference. Really, there's been a lot of people that have been touched. It's really been great. I said, yeah, you know, Jasmine, there's, in fact, people need an encounter with God. Why don't you pray for them? She says, yeah, I feel that. And she opens her legs like that, widens her stance, and goes, Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare the peace of heaven. I don't know if she's praying for her or everybody else, but it worked. She, and I, I went, wow, Jazz. I said, I felt that. She's like, yeah, Dad, I felt a good release on that one, too. I felt some really hit some people like that. I said, hey, thanks for watching. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Cameras go off. Jazz was like, I can't believe you made me do that. Why do you make me do that? I mean, she's like, so much. She didn't talk to me for two days. That car ride home was like ice cold. Like, I, I was driving a hearse, you know, like leading a funeral march. She didn't want to talk to me. I remember my wife was like, what did you do? I'm like, I made her be a woman. That's what I made her do. You're welcome. You gave me the girl, I gave you back the woman. Like, you know, like, what Jasmine was learning is what I've had to learn, is what we've all had to learn, is that God, our loving Father, would never put us in a position to humiliate us. He would never do it, put us in a position to leave us, to forget about us, to sabotage us, but He will grow us. Yeah and he will stretch us, and he will make requests, and when greatness comes on your life, it very rarely, if never, asks you to stay the same. When greatness comes on you, there are requirements, there are things, there are specifications that he's saying, I'm going to chisel this, I'm going to add this, but take away that, and this is what it means to be born for the storms. It's amazing how when life can get real muddy, or wind can be in your face, how what is really a priority stands out, and what you thought mattered didn't really matter at all, because you know 
know what you were born for. And friend, you are born for giants. You are born for Jericho's walls. You are born for the impossible. Stop accepting easy assignments. Stop getting comfortable around the same winds. Start burning with fresh fire and go after something you have never gone after. Start building things you never thought he'd trust you with. Start sabotaging the plans of the enemy like never before because you were born, built, and chiseled for this. You're born for the storm. And if we're going to be born for the storm, let me give you three things. Number one, number one, walk where he walks. Walk exactly where he tells you to walk. Don't get distracted to the left or the right. Walk the straight and narrow. Walk that path. Walk where he tells you to walk. I love this where it says, and, and Peter started getting out on the water, walking in the same space and proximity that Jesus did. This is interesting because the first form of writing was the Egyptian hieroglyphics, and it was picture words. So it wasn't words like we have in English. It was pictures that led to meaning and understanding, and if you looked at the picture, you know what they were writing. Are you following me? The first word, picture word, for impossible was a man walking on water. And here we have our resurrected king, our Lord and Savior Jesus, overriding what is possible. And he has done that time and time again, which means this should be a character trait, if not the trail of fire behind us, that there was a church in Allen that saw a need in Dallas and a dream center was born. And now we've got moms, we've got dads, we've got babies not struggling, not starving, not feeling the pressure because there was an impossible situation that someone said, I'm born for that. Walk where he tells you to walk. You know, you have to read this, in fact, see this the way that Peter would see this. You understand, he's not Apostle Peter here. Like, no way. He's barely Disciple Peter. Like, barely saved. Like, even God's like, mm. I'm like, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, he barely, barely tried. I mean, it, it, they finally were convinced, okay, you're the Son of God. You walked on water. You're the Son of God. Multiply food, raise the dead, did all that. Okay, now you walked on water. You're the Son of God. Right? So here's Peter. He's seeing this not as an apostle, not as a disciple. He's still seeing this as a fisherman. And so you have to understand how fishermen looked at it. Fishermen always looked at the water as the enemy, especially in this day, because it was their business. And it meant if they went and cast their nets and they didn't pull in a, a good haul of fish, they couldn't feed their family. They couldn't run their business. They couldn't expand. They couldn't scale. They couldn't do any of that. So they were always at war with their enemy. So when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water, he doesn't see him just defying science, physics, and gravity. He sees Jesus walking all over his enemy. And I believe that we need to start seeing the same thing in 2022 and beyond. That my God is undefeated. My God is forever strong. My God will give me exactly what to say. I can trust him even to the last second I could trust him. If it means my God doesn't mind getting in the mud. My God doesn't mind getting in the pain. He doesn't mind getting in the fire. He doesn't mind getting in the water. My God works not just on Sunday mornings, but Tuesday at lunch, Thursday at midnight, in the middle of this crisis, works in my marriage, works in my business, touching one of my kids, and still ministers to me. My God, I better walk where he walks. I love this because I've heard people preach this, and, and sometimes they'll say, well, Peter drowned. I'm like, he didn't drown. That's not what the Word says. That's, read. That's not what the Word says. The Christian TMZ be messing this up every time, all right? Like, he drowned. Yeah, he walked on water, but he drowned too. No, he didn't drown. The Bible says he began to sink. Let's be honest. He, you're the world's worst fisherman if you can't swim. Like, missed it by that much. You know, like, wow. 
This, he's not that, all right? So people would say, oh, well, Peter, you drown. Like if there will be, what's amazing to me is when God does something impossible, there's always people that come out that think they know more than God. Like the doubters, the naysayers, the ones who have figured out the way this thing works, when really they've just been stuck in a season of their own life and haven't chased after any fresh assignments. It's amazing to me how many people can come out of nowhere, out of nowhere and have an opinion. Especially today when we've got, you know, Facebook prophets and Twitter apostles and everybody else that's God's warden on social media. It's amazing. Um, but it, here's what's incredible. Here's Peter. Imagine Peter's came to Peter and say, hey, he said, hey, Peter, Peter, listen, um, you did walk on the water, but let's be honest, you drowned too. No, no, no. I, if I was Peter, I would say, look, I may have began to sink, but at least I was close enough to Jesus that all he had to do was reach down and pick me up. Where were you? You were still stuck in the boat of opinions, the boat of security, the boat of, uh, are you following me? I was close enough that with arm's reach, he could just pull me out of whatever I was in. I would rather travel that close and trip than be so far away and not have him with me. Are you following me? We gotta learn to walk where he tells us to walk. Here's the second thing. If we're gonna understand born for the storm, number two, number two, learn to live in the middle. Learn to live in the middle. Man, we don't like the middle of anything unless it's an Oreo. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. You ever got the Oreo, like you took the cookies off and you got the cream, and then you, when you were little, you rolled it in a ball and you popped it like a shot, right? Like that was, that, only me, okay? Um, church folk. So uh, learn to live in the middle. We don't like the middle of anything. In fact, every time someone walks in my office or I step into a meeting, they're always, and it's a problem, they start off, man, we're in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a problem. We don't know what to do. It's amazing how the middle talks more than the start of the finish. Like, we like the start of things. Like, we love the start because we're excited, we're enthusiastic. You ever started a business and then got in the middle of it? <laughs> It got real awkwardly quiet up in this room. Like, yes, today, <laughs> right? Like, you, we love starting because we're so excited. And then we love finishing because at least finishing, we've got a sense of relief or completion, right? But we hate the middle. We can't stand that middle, right? But to the spiritually mature, the middle is the best part because they understand that's where you learn the most valuable lessons. It's where the greatest revelation comes. It's where you feel the closest. It's, it's like in the middle of the night, all of a sudden God wakes you up because you can't sleep and you're trying to and it just seems like he pulls heaven and earth closer into your heart and you feel like you've got access to him because you're in the middle. There's something about being in the middle. We, we, we have bubble wrapped ourselves to just hurry through the middle. We have tried to overprotect ourselves and live in the comfort of, of, of start and finish instead of understanding there is a journey and there are lessons in this journey and sometimes we think the shortest route is from A to B, right? But then God goes, you're not just going from A to B, you're going from A to this wilderness, to this dry season, to this never saw happening, to this unpredictable event, to this moment, and then you get to B. Because if you did not have all the lessons learned in this, you wouldn't be able to carry this. Are you following me? Learn to live in the middle. Don't you dare fast forward through the middle. You can't get impatient in the middle. There's something about the middle. Like I remember being in the middle of a tornado, not in Texas. It was in Iowa, of all places. We're outside playing basketball, and they, they are built different in Iowa, all right? Like I'm watching the clouds roll in. That's normally when everybody's like leaving work, 
getting home safely. Hey, take the rest of the day off, work remote, that whole thing. Not them. They're like, no, we good. We staying out here, right? Clouds rolling in. Then the wind comes. The rain is dropping, not straight down. It is sideways rain. We're playing basketball. I haven't shoot the ball over here to make it in the basket over here. There's a wind that's taking it, right? And all of a sudden, the, uh, when the, the alarm, I mean, we're playing through all this, and all of a sudden, the, the, the tornado warnings go off, right? And they're like, yeah, it's about that time. I'm like, dude, it was about that time like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so we go inside. I'm thinking we're going to get in a, a shelter closet, light some candles, and repent of sin and everything else. We're going to get right with God just, just in case. Just, I'm going to be secure, secure, right? Like, I'm ready. So, I, not them. No, they built different. I'm telling you, we walk down, two of them jump on a PlayStation into this basement. Two, like, they were ready for this. I'm like, who thinks like this? Right? They go, two of them jump on a, or three of them jump on a, a, a pool table. Not me. I'm in the fetal position with a paper bag kind of just rolling down. We fit in the die. We fit in the die. I'm repenting of sin. I didn't even have, but just in case. You know what I mean? Like, God, if this happened, I don't want that to be the disclaimer that, you know, I don't get to march in. You know what I'm saying? Like, so... I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, I had my friend playing pool. He sees me, and I'm like, I'm freaking out. And, and uh, he looks at me, he's like, Chris, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm making sure all of our souls are going to make it, bro. I'm, I'm in this thing right now, right? And he looks at me, and he goes, bro, you want to see it? I'm like, the tornado? He said, yeah, you want to see the tornado? I was like, I mean, you can tell I'm a kid. I'm like, I mean, I, I want to see a tornado. I like tornadic activity. You know what I'm saying? So we open the door. We climb up these stairs, and I am watching a tornado go across a football field, and it's bending the lights like this. Like, I'm thinking, this is the middle. We're in the middle. You know, I feel like our life can be a lot like that. You ever been married? <laughs> Everybody was like, ah, that's true, though. That's painful. You have a kid? That's like parenting. <laughs> We're in the middle of something. Like there's no handbook that comes out with them. You know what I mean? It's just you wish. <laughs> there's, this is called living in the middle. Hey, I, I feel like a lot of people, they, they want everything ready. And we're too addicted to ready. We want to be ready, right time ready. We want to have all the money first. We want to have the schedule right. We want to have all the relationships. We want to have all the introductions. We want to have everything ready. You, this book is not full of people that had a plan. You read this thing? Like God's making this up. He's going, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do water out of a rock. Watch this, Mo. I'm telling you. This is exactly how he did this stuff. Hey, David, you're going to kill a giant today, okay, with no armor. <laughs> Mary, you give birth to the son of the living God, but you're going to be single. I'm telling you. This is called God lives in a different realm than we do. Because he knows the, I'm going to make the odds so impossible that there's no one that gets credit but me. So that I can once again move your heart and prove to you that I'm still the God that can be with you in the middle. You know what's interesting about this text? It says in verse 24, the boat was in the middle of the storm or the sea, right? Now, I've heard people preach this, Pastor Keon, from like every perspective. As a preacher, you want to give everything a voice. So I want to give the water a voice. I want to give uh, uh, the, the storm a voice. I want to give Jesus a voice. If Peter had a voice, what would Peter's voice be, right? If somebody had, everyone give everything a voice when you're preaching. But what, and I've heard everybody preach this from every angle, but I have never heard with the boat could talk, what would the boat say? So we're going to have some boat talks in here this morning. Not boat talks for all you plastic people. I'm talking about boat talks. I'm from Orange County. It's a, 
it's a rule. So, like, I, like, here's this, this ship, this, not even a ship, it's a boat, right? The boat was in the middle of the sea. The boat, the boat. What was in the middle of the sea? The this is interesting because it never once says the disciples were in the middle of the, uh, the storm. It says the boat. It never says, it mentions their names. Well, who put them in this boat? Do you remember the beginning how it started? And Jesus made them get in this boat. Like force, you get in this boat. Like if I know Jesus, like I know Jesus, and I know Jesus, this man did not find the most secure, state-of-the-art, stable boat. He went down to the harbor of that dock and went, too safe, too strong, mm, yes. Hey, y'all, get in this one. Get in this one right here. Get, get in it. Get in. And then I'm sure Pete steps up and's like, uh, Yeshua, um, listen, we're going to die. We get in this boat. We gonna die. There's not enough room. And you, you know how big Matthew is. I don't want to say anything. But you know, like, like we're going to die. And sure enough, watch this. It says, and Jesus made them. But Peter, you better get, get in the, You ever had your mama talk through her teeth? You better get, you better get in. Peter, Pedro, you better get in this boat. Get, get in this boat. Ora. You know, like, and sure enough, he makes them get in this boat. No wonder why they're panicking. We fit to die, right? Well, watch this. Peter is about to get a lesson in understanding what God puts you in. You shouldn't complain about. It's not an accident you're in this church. It's not an accident that you call your wife your wife or your husband your husband or the kids that you have or the job that you have or the neighborhood you live in or everywhere you drive or everywhere you've been. It is absolutely the fulfillment of God's plan for your life. And we cannot sit here and talk about our middle like somebody else has it better when I'm just trusting God and I'm walking where he tells me to walk because I want to learn to live, not visit, not just, to, uh, not just come every now, twice a year. I want to live in the middle. This, it never says the disciples were in the storm. Here's another thing. It says the boat was in the middle. The middle. The mi this is interesting because the Bible gives us a location. This is the Sea of Galilee. It is 13 miles long and is eight miles, eight miles across. And they are cross, crossing the width of it. And now the Bible says you're in the middle. There's no doubt there's people in this boat that are not used to the water. They're not used to stormy seas. They're not used to any of this. So they're saying, we got to turn back. we got to go back. So there might be a decision, hey, we need to go back. This isn't safe. You know what? We didn't pray all the way through. We didn't get an extra prophetic word. Nobody got their miracle oil and water and their prayer cloth. And, you know, like nobody didn't, nobody didn't get all that. You know, it's amazing how many confirmations we need for one word. When he's just wanting to be trusted. It's like Moses going and looking for another bush. Where's that bush at? Well, give me another one. I need another. Listen, he might give it to you, but eventually you run out of bushes. And you can't conference hop and church hop your whole life. You're going to have to plant yourself and learn to live in the middle. Because where he puts you is where you're supposed to be. And then watch this. This is interesting to me. Not only does he, he they're in the middle, but it, there's people like, we got to go back. We got to go back. This unsafe. We this, and then they call it wisdom. This is the Christian word. This is wisdom. No, that's fear. Big difference. <laughs> so you're laughing, but you're like, that's true too. Right? Watch this. They say the middle. The middle. The middle. And they're saying, let's go back. If the boat could talk, here's what the boat say. The boat say, um, excuse me. Uh, you're in the middle. 
and it would take you the same amount of distance, the same amount of struggle, the same amount of power to go backwards as it is to go forwards. Why would you trade your future for familiar? No, he put you in me for a reason. He's got you here for a reason. He got you in 1132 for a reason. He's got your kids in the youth ministry for a reason. He's got your marriage where it needs to be for a reason. He's got your job, your business, your calling, your destiny, everything has a purpose. He's intentional with everything he does. Learn to live in the middle. You know, I've taken a few boat rides, and I, you know, they told me when I, like I took a cruise once, and, and they said, hey, Pastor Chris, and I heard it in spiritual hearing, because as a preacher, everything's a message. And like, they, they said, hey, Pastor Chris, now you're gonna go on this, let me just coach you a little bit, you know, we're you know, like platinum level members of whatever, and, and I said, okay, I'm going on this cruise. They said, listen, you wanna get a, a room in the lowest part of the boat you can. And then they said this, because the lower you are, the less you feel. And I thought, you know, we live in a society where everybody's trying to be on top of one another, trying to outgrind, outshine, outdo, outlast, outbuild everything, and they're living at this top. But they're not living humble enough to lower themselves, because the lower you are, the less you feel. I feel like there are people who are feeling too many of their storms, too many of their struggles, too much of the stretching, too much of the pain because they have not humbled themselves in the ultimate position that God, I can entrust you. Your, your leadership is proven, sir. And I can let you be actively involved in my life if I would just humble myself because the lower you are, the less you're going to feel. Then they said, hey, um, depending on the time you set sail when you take this cruise, will determine the price you pay. They said, if you go during guaranteed good weather, you'll go on the same cruise, but you will pay a higher price. He said, but if you go and you don't mind water in your face, wind in your hair, they said it'd be risky weather, you will take the same journey, you'll probably come back with better stories, and you won't pay as high of a price. Perhaps maybe what was a blessing last season is the struggle this season, and you haven't humbled yourself in a long time, and you're trying to run when you should be walking and walking when you should be running. You know, we have record of Jesus being in two storms. This is the first one. There's another one in John chapter 4. Because in John chapter 4, remember, all the disciples on the top of the boat. But where's Jesus? Sleep in the bottom of the boat. The lower you are, the less you feel. I heard Bill Johnson say one time, you only have authority through the storms you can sleep through. This man's asleep in the middle of a storm. And they come down, Jesus, we've been to die. We've been to die. You don't care. One of you over here taking a nap. What's up with that? Right? Jesus wake up out of his slumber and goes, oh, you have no faith. You're waking me up from my spiritual nap. Comes up to the top of the boat, remember? And he rebukes this storm. This one he walks on, the other one he rebukes, which tells me we have authority to walk all over storms or to shut them down. Now, the way you know the difference is that storms that you rebuke, when it says that Jesus got up on that boat from being woken up, goes to the top, it says he rebuked the winds and the waves and the storm. That word rebuke is the Greek word they would only use when Jesus was dealing with the demonic. So he knew, watch this, he knew this was an unusual weather pattern that came on the storm. So he knew he had an authority because this is unusual, this is in an order, this is out of order, I can shut this down and he rebukes this storm. Have you ever had some things just happen like one after another, after another, after another, after another? I remember a time I, 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 ta I tore my ACL 
it was bad timing for us. Then a few weeks later, uh, a family member uh, goes in the hospital. We don't know if they're going to recover. They're in a coma. Then a few weeks after that, my, my youngest daughter goes in for multiple surgeries. It just seemed like one thing after another. After that was just the medical. It wasn't even all the personal, the financial, the, the, the professional side. None of that. It was all hit at once. I'll never forget. I'm in a hotel room in California, and I'm, I remember I just feel this authority to rebuke what's going on. It's an unusual weather pattern on my life. And so I start screaming at the devil. I woke up the guy that was traveling with me. We were in the same room, and I remember I said, you will not come near my family anymore. I break your power. I cancel your... I cancel your assignment. I tear down every wall. You will not come near my wife. You don't touch my kids. You don't touch our family. Come off our finances. I shut down this storm now. And I'm telling you, I felt the whole thing break. The reason why I'm telling you this is because if there is one thing after another thing after another thing, it's not time to complain. It's time to commit yourself to even more prayer. It's time to get yourself into a place of authority. I'm going to speak to the storm. I promise you, you watch it all come back into alignment. I believe it's time that we stop walking on storms we should be rebuking and stop rebuking storms we should be walking on. See, the difference is you see the unusualness of, of what's going on in your life. But then there's another storm that you can walk on. This means that you, you know that you're walking through it. You're going through a struggle. You're going through a season or a stretching or whatever it might be. And you recognize, I'm not losing my faith. I'm not losing my peace. I'm not losing my joy. In fact, I'm increasing and it's storming in my life. I'm watching God speak. I'm getting closer. This is a storm you're supposed to walk on because it will not touch you. Are you following me? Here's the last thing, the very last thing. If we're going to be born for the storm, number one, walk where he tells you walk. Number two, learn to live in the middle. Number three, this is very simple, answer the invitation. You know, Jesus says one word to Peter, one word. Peter says, Lord, if it's you. Like he's asking God to move on an if. If it's you, command me to come. And Jesus says one word. Come on, I'm telling you this morning, all you need is one anointed, authoritative, in due season word. One word. And he says, come. Right? And all of a sudden, Peter starts to walk on the water. Now, I believe in the the literal translation of the Bible. It means if, if there were three Hebrew children thrown into a fire and four men came out, the fourth being Jesus, I believe that. If he said water came out of rock, I believe water came out of rock. I believe Jonah was actually swallowed by a whale and hung out in there for a few days. I believe in that. I, I do. I believe when Jesus was raised from the dead, he rose himself up, took off his grave clothes because mama raised him right. He folded those grave clothes and laid at the head of the bed, right? And then told the stone to move. Read the story. It's there, right? I believe that. I truly believe that. So when I see Peter walking along, he's not just defying science, physics, and gravity. He's also walking on something. I believe there's a little extra under his feet. It was the invitation to come. You know, when God gives an invitation like, give me this mountain, he will supply even the impossible. Two, two coins will show up in a fish's mouth. I'm telling you, he will do the irrational, the irregular, the impossible for your life. I promise you, I've watched them do it for me and my family. I've watched them do it for the vision we carry at Missions Me. I'm watching them do it at Oceans Church in Orange County, California. It's amazing what God can do when you will just answer impossible assignments, things nobody's ever done. We've got to be the type of people that do what the world can't do without God. The world, they can dig water wells. They can build orphanages. But when we come and do it, 
we also are able to do something they couldn't, and that's sustain transformation. Because there's only one vehicle in society that can sustain true transformation. And it's not government, it's not education, it's not business, I'm sorry, it's one. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time that we were born for some storms. It's no longer right to notice things are out of place or wrong and not speak to it. It's no longer, I'm telling you, it's borderline crossing a line with God. When you notice something and you do nothing about it, we've got to be born for the storm. We've got to answer some invitations. Would you stand up with me?